Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Shooting Through with Cheryl Ryan from 123 Travel. Located right in the heart of Budrum on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, just minutes away from the beach. As a local resident and owner of 123 Travel, I've been blessed with travelling all over the world to some incredible destinations. So wherever you are, relax and let me take you on a journey. This week we head off to the Northern Gateway in Africa to Morocco, a country filled with diversity that takes you to the dizzy heights of the Atlas Mountains, to the ancient cities and out into the Sahara Desert where the only footprints you'll find there are those left behind by the camels and their Berbers who live there. I arrived into Casablanca Airport, not the most atmospheric of Moroccan cities I have to say, but it is the most modern and where the money is made and fortunes created. I arrived early and took in a few sites before heading further north to the city of Rabat. I popped in for a visit at the Hassan II Mosque. The enormous mosque is set right beside the ocean with spectacular views and has a 210 metre tall minaret which can be seen from all around the city. Considered to be one of the world's third largest mosques with a capacity for 25,000 worshippers. It was designed by a French architect and it took about six years to complete, finishing in 1993. It showcases the very best of Moroccan artisanship and tours of the interior are offered outside of prayer times. After a lovely seaside lunch, it was time to head to Rabat, that is, once we navigated, out of the deadlock traffic at peak hour in Casablanca, which does come to a complete standstill. Rabat, on the other hand, is charming as you arrive into palm-lined boulevards, clean and well-maintained. I headed to my first stay at Ariad, La Villa Mandarine, a very elegant and charming little place with great dining and a swimming pool, because the weather is quite warm there, and a larger size Riyadh. For many of you, you may not be familiar with what a Riyadh is, and it's a traditional Moroccan house. The Arab word Riyadh, meaning gardens, means that usually the house has been built around an inner courtyard or a garden. The true Riyadhs have lush plants and gardens in four planting beds with a fountain featured in the centre. However, there are many variations on this, as I discovered along the way. The houses are often traditional Moroccan house that have been transformed into a hotel, but they're still often family-run businesses. Venturing out in Rabat, a visit to the central Medina is a must. It's built around the Atlantic Ocean in a very orderly manner. It most likely will not stop you from getting lost, however, but the locals are quite good and will no doubt assist you in finding your way out eventually. Sadly, my stay was too short in Rabat, and after a morning of alley touring and digging around in the souks, we had lunch and then headed off on my way to Fez. The drive to Fez takes me past centuries-old olive groves and vineyards near the city of Mechanus, a small and much quieter city than its neighbour Fez, but no less enchanting and certainly a lot more laid back. A detour heading north, I stopped off at the ancient ruins of Volubilis, which is found sprawled over a hillside and in spring is covered in wildflower. Here we'll discover the magnificent triumphant arch that presides over the magical remains of palaces and mansions, Roman baths and basilicas. 
The most stunning and impressive of the ruins is the incredible mosaics that remain in excellent condition. They are all out sadly in the open air, however, and remain yet still in great condition and beautiful colours. For here, I suggest good walking shoes, hat and sunscreen. For a visit here, there's not a great deal of cover and plenty of rubble on the ground, so it's pretty rough walking. So bring all the gear for this visit here. Certainly a highlight, though, of a stop off here for anyone interested in a bit of Roman history. So heading off to Fez, I checked into a small Riyadh called Riyadh El Yakot, and it's tucked up a little side street. You enter via a small alleyway. Inside, I was greeted with tea and a warm welcome before being shown to my room. I have to say the staff were friendly, the food was great, but I have, I did have what I would call a little bit of a faulty towers experience. My room came with an air conditioner that seemed to only work on heat and no mini bar or fridge. I was given another room and had a little mini bar and an air conditioner that worked sporadically. But upon discovering my safe, I found its alarm constantly went off with trying to set it. So on calling the front desk, a young fellow came up and he potted around and the alarm kept going on and off when he finally said, I'm just going to take it away. So he just picked it up. It wasn't attached to anything. Walked out saying he would return tomorrow with a new one. I smiled and resigned my passport to my suitcase for the same amount of security or perhaps a little higher. The Riyadh was formerly owned as a residence of a famous researcher and professor and in 2000 it was purchased by current owners and restored to its current status. It's oozing with history and character I personally loved it, even with its quirky household issues. So a day out in Fez means heading off to the Medina, 2,000 years old and a maze of alleyways that will have you lost in no time at all. A full assault on all your senses can be expected with smells of spices, exotic foods and colourful textiles. Wandering around, you weave in and around people, donkeys and all sorts of wonderful things. If you have never bartered, then this will be the time to learn. Bartering for carpets and other artisan goods will become the norm for your day out. I made sure to stop in for a visit to the famous leather tannery where a collection of vats are lined up and filled with varying colours, looking like a large beehive interior. A tour of the tannery will explain the process before the final visit to the shop to see the variety of amazing products on display and all the things that are made there. So a drive just on the outskirts of the city will take you to the Marinid Tombs, where a short climb will allow you to take in the spectacular view of the city, a wonderful place for the photographers and anybody just wanting to take in this amazing view. Fez is considered the holiest city in the Islamic world after Mecca and Medina, was founded in the 9th century and barely unchanged and in an enchanting place to spend more than just a few days. So sad to leave Fez behind and feeling like I would have loved a few more days to get lost in the souks, I vow to return. A long drive ahead as I head southeast, making my way towards the Sahara Desert. An interesting journey, but a very, very long one, and for me personally, far too long in a vehicle, I would suggest perhaps instead a flight from Fez out towards the Atlas Mountains just to shorten that trip down a little bit. Along the way, a forest stop with monkeys and horses dressed up for tourists will 
take a ride, for them to take a ride on and a lunch at a small village with very little to see was about the extent of this long day. Just on dusk, we pulled off the side of the road and were met by a four-wheel drive that transferred our small group to meet our night camels, who would deliver us under the stars into our Riyadh campsite. Rocking back and forth, tired from the long drive, it was a little hard to appreciate the Sahara and its beauty. My imagination took me to the desert where caravans and camels passed, loaded with spices and gold, and crossed along the same path. There was a sense of timelessness, as little had changed to the present day. Thirty minutes later, we arrived into our luxurious camp site, and to the sound of the beating of the drums that the Berbers were playing. With the evening lit by stars, I climbed inside my tent, showered and collapsed onto my soft mattress and slept heavily. Woken early to climb back aboard the desert ships, our camels and us headed out back into the desert to enjoy the morning sunrise. As we sat on the dunes overlooking our camels below, the endless dunes seemed to go on and on in every direction. It was hard to believe Our luxurious camp was only 20 minutes away, ready to serve us our mint tea and a hearty breakfast. The sun rose, creating a myriad of colours that changed every few minutes. Our local camel Berbers laid relaxed on the dunes, having walked all over this desert for many, many generations. I was amused to see them on their mobile phones, embracing the joy of technology in such an isolated environment. After breakfast, we took a more modern form of transport aboard our four-wheel drives for some dune driving. A close encounter with some wild camels nearly ended my journey abruptly, but thankfully to my good driver and some very heavy braking, we avoided having a camel come crashing through the front windscreen. We ventured out to a normal little village house where we stopped off for a cup of mint tea. The house was no more than a mixture of three or four tents placed together, one for cooking, one for sleeping and one for eating. We briefly met the lady of the house before she disappeared shyly out of sight. The young daughter was happy to engage in some ball play with us and seemed happy to have met some local tourists. We sat down for tea which was poured and served by the husband in a traditional style, a sweet and sugary mint tea. We farewelled our host and headed off to enjoy some local music performance by the Berber drummers and dancers. After a light lunch, we were all exhausted and keen for some quiet time around the pool at our next Riyadh. We headed to the desert Riyadh Madu, located in the desert of the Erg Chebi. It was only 12 rooms and each charming and warm. The traditional Riyadh has panoramic views from the pool, which was a great spot to relax with a drink and enjoy the sunset, which is exactly where I spent my afternoon. After a nice sleep in, we hit the road again and we head today for Skora, a trip which will travel back along the ancient caravan trading route and a road of what they would call a thousand kasbahs. The Kasbahs rise up like turreted sandcastles and the river valleys and palms with burnished red brick mud homes throughout. Vibrant colours with a blue desert sky as a backdrop. I feel as if I'd just been dropped inside an artist's canvas. The drive to Skara takes around five hours, but it's filled with so much to see along the way 
that the journey passes in no time at all. Firstly, let me explain what is meant by the term Kasbah. It actually means fortress. So a Kasbah is home to the old world souks, street foods and vendors and hip cafes. There is usually a large gate entrance of significance and the Kasbah is often served as a fortress to protect the inhabitants. There was usually a wealthy ruling leader that would have built the Kasbahs at the time. One of the highlights of today for me was the Todra Gorge. Deep cliff-sided canyons located in the Atlas Mountains range are carved out by the Todja and the Dajas River, a spectacular canyon and rated in the world's top ones to visit. In some areas, the gorge has measured only 10 metres wide, but rises to more than 150 metres tall in places. The river, sadly, has long since dried up, leaving only your imagination of the powerful forces that once carved out this incredible gorge. The Dardis Valley feels like an untouched Moroccan countryside filled with the local Berber villages. The fertile valley downstream is filled with groves of fruit trees, traditional architecture and warm, friendly people. And on a blue-filled sunny day, these unique rock formations and colours make for a spectacle like no other. The burnt oranges with the green palms and the Atlas Mountain backdrop, it is a photographer's paradise. The unique rock formations known as the monkey's fingers stand like melting wax fingers. After a day of driving, we arrive relaxed at our Riyadh and uh, in Skura, a lovely old Riyadh made with century-old stones and a garden that comes to life with candles in the evening. Lush and green with plenty of olive trees, the Riyadh is spread out by a long corridor of garden from the front entrance to the rooms located at the back. There is a pool and spa with wellness centre. It was time to try the Haman massage treatments, so often spoken about. I'm not sure if I can say whether I was fortunate or not, but the bookings were busy that evening and I decided to pass on my Haman massage and opted for a nice bottle of red wine instead. The guests, having tried the massage, returned with stories of the not-so-relaxing experience, but one they were glad to have experienced. To explain the Haman massage for those not aware of what it entails, it is similar to a Turkish bath. A public Haman is a steam room where people go to clean themselves. However, a private Haman in a hotel or Riyadh is a completely different experience. Firstly, to be comfortable, you need to be comfortable with your nakedness, as this is the first thing you'll be asked to do. You are bathed by someone, which will involve very hot water being poured all over you um, as your hair and body are washed, and any wincing or whining is often ignored. After the hot water comes the steam room, which you will find even hotter, and the next step will be the full body exfoliation as you lay on a marble slab. So it's not for the faint-hearted and often described as getting a good sandpapering. The only advantage is, is that the women seem to be treated a little more gentle than the men. Next stage was the actual massage, which bends and pulls you in every direction that you may not be aware your body is capable of. Awesome or not, it is a true Moroccan experience but don't say I did not warn you, and I think on this note, I will order another glass or a bottle of wine. The next day, I was headed to Marrakesh, but not without a stop off at a couple of remarkable sites 
to be discovered along the way. The Atlas University Studios has long provided a popular location for many Hollywood movies and a film place to stop off for a break. Mostly, I was excited today to also be able to visit the UNESCO World Heritage Site of the Kasbah at Benhadu, one of the most well-preserved Kasbahs in the entire Atlas region and having been used for over 20 feature films, including Lawrence of Arabia. An historic stop on the caravan route between the Sahara and Marrakesh, a fabulous example of the clay architecture of the southern Morocco. The collective grouping of dwellings is surrounded by high defensive walls, which are reinforced by corner towers. The housing ranges from simple and modest to small castle-like structures. Community areas include a mosque, a public square and a grain working area. The oldest construction does not appear to be earlier than the 17th century, although there are indications of techniques for earlier periods having been used. My other great love of this area, it's hard not to think of dates and olives when I think of Morocco now. Beautiful fresh dates and a variety of olives were enough to keep me well satisfied for my entire journey throughout Morocco. Of course, there are the tagines and the couscous that are a daily staple for all the Moroccans. My last stop on my journey throughout Morocco is Marrakesh. Everything and more than I envisaged. Arriving in late, we stopped off at the famous square of the Jadima al Fenina, the bustling markets that are filled with foods of all kinds being grilled over coals, snake charmers, mischievous monkeys and plenty of people ready to hustle. Here you can have a fortune read and lose your wallet in the same moment. One of my favourites was the storytellers who come along and tell a story, but it continues on each night, so you may have to return the next evening for the final part. I would suggest locating a nice high restaurant that overlooks the square and delight in all the action from above over dinner and drinks, and there's a few of these that can be found around the square. Marrakesh deserves a week as there is so much to see and do from this old to new uh, city area. It certainly earns its name as the Imperial Majestic City. With only a few days to enjoy the city, I picked out a couple of main highlights to visit. The Bahia Palace, a grand 19th century palace considered one of the grandest of all the Moroccan cities, set over two acres and featuring 150 rooms. Now an historical museum, it is a must-see when in Morocco and in Marrakesh. The Manara Pool and Gardens, it's about 20 minutes from the city centre and it may appear to be very little, but in fact it is a beautiful long walk in through the main entrance. A tip, don't go in the middle of the day as there is little cover and the heat can be unbearable. Surrounded by olive groves, the pond still uses water that comes from the Atlas Mountains to irrigate the surrounding gardens. It was built in the 12th century and it provides the perfect Marrakesh postcard photo opportunity, probably best seen early in the morning or late in the afternoon to capture all the colours on the pond. The Ketubia Mosque, it's five times a day you'll hear the voice as they call to prayer. The 12th century 75 metre high tower interestingly enough, was the prototype for the Geralda in Seville in Spain. It is the largest mosque in Marrakesh and can hold up to 25,000 worshippers. 
However, non-Muslims cannot enter into the mosque. Last but not least, the Yves Saint Laurent Museum. This is totally devoted to the work of the legendary fashion designer Yves Saint Laurent. The gardens are spectacular and a delight to wander around in, but the real highlight is the museum itself. Spectacular displays and creations that will leave you speechless. I also loved the timeline of the creations and the moments in history that are captured alongside the actual the Moroccan-influenced fashion of colour and shapes. Last but not least, leave a full day to explore the souks of the old Medina. Get yourself lost, find some great little souvenirs and treasures to take home, finish off at the market square and stay on for dinner and do a share with what you've found and what treasures you've found in Marrakesh for your stay there. That's all from me this week. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, then share, subscribe, and leave a review or comment. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at 123TravelBudrum and on Twitter at 123TravelAbout. You can also find all my episodes and loads of great travel information on my website at 123travel.com.au. I look forward to having you join me on the next episode of Shooting Through.